If Jesus is who he really says he is, that he is God, then we need to pay attention um, to what he's telling us. And we need to learn more about him. And we might even ask the question, as we study who Jesus is, who is this man? And so to begin answering that question, let's take a look at this short video called, Who Is This Man? On the day after his death, it looked as if whatever small mark he left on the world would rapidly disappear. Instead, his impact on human history has been unparalleled. You're reminded of him every time you look at a calendar or pick up a map. His influence is so enduring that we name our children after his friends, while we name our dogs after the rulers of his day. His teachings, applied through the ages, fueled the civil rights movement, formed the basis for the separation of church and state, elevated the status of women, led to the development of hospitals, and even inspired the founding of the world's top universities. All this from a man who could have been voted least likely to change the world. Anyone who takes the time to examine his teachings and try out his way of life ends up asking themselves in wonder, who is this man? I haven't read that book yet. I've read some other of John Orberg's books, but I don't think we have to buy the book to understand what John Orberg is saying here is that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, has had more impact on our world than any other person who has ever lived. He is the good news that the gospel is talking about. He is the news that God loves us, as we talked about with the kids, loves us enough to send his son into the world to forgive us of our sins. And this is true because Jesus was not only man come into the world as a baby, but Jesus is also God as well. So we are going to read today from both the Old Testament and the New Testament about Jesus. Yes, Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, So if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9 and start there, verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7. And if you have your Bible, if you're opening that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, ask God's blessing upon our reading of the scripture. Let's pray. Most loving God, we do ask your blessing upon this scripture again, that Lord, as we read it, we would understand it. And Lord, as we understand it, that we would apply it to our lives and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. So from Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then to look to the New Testament as well, we're going to look to the Gospel of John, start at chapter 1, verse 1. So John 1, verses 1 through 4, and then skip down to verses 12 through 14. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then in verse 12, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, from the Old Testament to the New, and in lives back then at the Bible times, and in lives today, we see real evidence that Jesus truly is the Son of God. So here's what we learn when we look at these passages of Scripture. We see that Jesus is truly God, that he is light in the darkness. Isaiah says this in 9-2, and then we read it in John 1, 4 and 5. Jesus is light in the darkness, that he is the mighty God. That's in verses 6 and 7 in Isaiah, and in John 1, verses 1 through 3, that he is God with us, Isaiah 9-6 and John 1, 14. So he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. <clears throat> Other groups, such as the Romans and the Greeks, believed in powerful gods or distant gods who had their own agendas. But the one true God revealed himself to us that he was a personal God who wanted to be close to his people. And one of the ways he revealed himself in the Old Testament was through prophets, and probably the most famous of these is Isaiah that we're reading from t- today. Now, Isaiah, we believe, and scholars believe, points to Jesus. And then Jesus, even in the Gospel of Luke, points back to him. And we know this because the Gospels quote Isaiah on many occasions. Part of, part of the reason we know this is in Matthew 4. Matthew 4 says that Jesus specifically fulfills the prophecy that's in Isaiah 9, and it quotes it directly. It says, the child will grow to be a man, and the light that is described in both Isaiah 9 and John 1, he is that man who is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He is a light who shines in the darkness, who is full of grace and truth. So when we look at both these passages from Isaiah and from John, what do we see that Jesus brings to us? What are the reasons we would want to follow him? We see in Isaiah, he said he brings good counsel as a wonderful counselor. He brings peace as the prince of peace, justice, and righteousness. And in John, in the Gospel of John, says that he brings light. And not only does he bring light, he is the light of the world. He brings grace and truth. 
was reading some notes from Billy Graham this week, and he talked about these different parts from Isaiah 9, and here's what he says about these, these uh, different names for who God is on Isaiah 9. <clears throat> He's the wonderful counselor. He brings counsel. The people said in John 7, no one ever spoke the way that this man speaks. And they were talking about Jesus. He is the wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. The Bible says in many places that Jesus was there at creation. It says here in John 1, we read that a few minutes ago, in Hebrews and in Colossians, that Jesus was there at creation as the second person of the Trinity. God is everlasting Father. We read in John 10 that Jesus says that he and the Father are one, that they are one God along with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He can give peace that passes all understanding, and that's what Paul says. Even despite the brokenness of the world, when we turn to him, we can have peace. Isaiah says he also brings justice and righteousness, and I know that as we look about our world, as we, as we listen to the news or we watch the news, we see where there's a lot of injustice in our world. And so it's hard to think about what kind of different Christ can make when oftentimes what we hear is bad news of the things going on around us. But if we think back just a minute ago to that video, um, it says through Christ, through Christ and through Christians living for Christ, we had the first hospitals. We had rights for women. We had the first and major universities. Even orphanages came out of Christianity and care for the poor and the hurting. Here's what N.T. Wright says about this. Uh, N.T. Wright's a Christian scholar uh, and author from England. He says, one of the big lies of our time is that Christianity has been part of the problem rather than the source of the solution. That's what we hear a lot about today. Christianity is a problem, not part of the solution. But he says this, N.T. Wright, most people today don't realize the things that we now take for granted, like education and healthcare, were reserved for the rich elite in the ancient world until Christians insisted on providing them for everyone within reach. Many imagine that Christianity was bad for women, but the truth is that early Christianity provide the biggest, provided the biggest transformation of attitudes to women that the world's, world has ever seen. The impact of Jesus on the whole world, even when his followers like us have been muddled or misguided, the impact of Jesus towers breathtakingly over all human achievement. So it's true, and really as we think about it, over the last 2,000 years, God has brought things like peace and light and justice through Jesus, and that Jesus brings grace and truth to us. And so we know that both from Isaiah and from John and from the other Gospels as well. Um, how many of you, when you're driving around, especially over these last three or four weeks, have you been listening to Christmas carols in your car on the radio or a CD or maybe your, your iPod hooked up in your car? I have. So I'm driving last week, and, uh, and I don't normally do this, but I got kind of touched. I even think I got a little misty-eyed when I was listening to the Amy Grant version of the song uh, Grown Up Christmas List. And if you don't know that song, and Amy Grant uh, is one of many people to record that, but that's the version I heard that day. 
In the course of that song, it says this, on her grown-up Christmas list, so as a child, she had a Christmas list, and as a grown-up, she has a Christmas list. On her list would be, no more lives torn apart, that wars would never start, that time would heal all hearts, everyone would have a friend, right would always win, and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. And, you know, I think at times it could sound a little, a little cheesy or maybe a little idealistic. But I don't know. As I drove around that day, I was touched by it. And I think touched by both the fact that some of those things seem impossible or they seem unreachable. But then I was also, I think, touched by the fact that through Christ, as we think about it, as God works in us, we can be the instruments of God's grace to have some of those things to begin to happen. And isn't that what we want? Isn't it through Christ, through Jesus working in us, that we want to make a difference in the world, that people do begin to have friends, people begin to, uh, are, are cared for and uh, are taken care of in so many ways. This is what we want. And we want Christmas to mean something in our lives. So when we think about that, how can we respond When we hear who Jesus is, that he's full of grace and truth and justice and peace, how can we respond? We can be children of God, it says in John 1, verses 12 and 13. And as we read earlier from Max Lucado, we read that God came near, and so then let us draw near to him in response to that. So, just really three major points this morning. Here they are. First, we've already said that Jesus is truly God, that he is really God. We see it from Isaiah to John's gospel to the evidence of a changed world because of the fact that Jesus lived and because Jesus lives in us. The world is different. Second, Jesus brings the things that we need and want in our world like justice and peace and truth and grace. And then third, if this is all true, what can we do about it? So again, in John, he says, we can be children of God. We can be children of God. Well, I read recently some real letters to Santa. They were collected by a guy named Bruce Thielman, and he said here was probably the best, uh, most memorable letter to Santa that he read. It says this, Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. (laughs) But our problem is in our world as Christians and as people who read scripture and, and people just who know ourselves is that we aren't Norman, is that we can't be good all of the time. And so we need rescue from somewhere. We need an answer to the world's, to the world's problems. And we need an answer to our own problems as well. And that's where Jesus comes in. When we mess up, when we need help, and I know I'm a person that needs help, God sends Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, to be with us so that we can have rescue from our sin and that we can begin to have some answers to the problems around us. God is truly with us. It says in John 1.14, the word and the word is capitalized, meaning who Jesus is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
I'd like to read again as I read an excerpt from uh, God Came Near by Max Lucado. Here's a little bit of some of the same words, but some different words as well, about what it means that God is with us, that he cared so much to come to earth. It says, God became a man, and while the creatures of the earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent, in one instant, made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to become dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a baby, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. God had come near. He came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as the one whose first cries were heard by that peasant girl and sleepy carpenter. Respond to the one who came near by drawing near to him at this Christmas. That's what we need to do. We need to draw near to God. So as you hear those Christmas songs that tug at your heart, as you think about what God has done for you, as you think about what it means to be close to family and to be with friends, to be with people who love you, draw near to God and come to him in worship at this Christmas time. Well, if we fast forward about 30 years in Jesus' life from the time when he came to earth as a baby till the time when he, becomes, when he begins his ministry, we can read about that in the first part of the Gospel of Luke. In fact, it's in Luke chapter 4 and starts at verse 16. So here's what um, Jesus says in Luke 4, starting at verse 16. And he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Jesus stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the Jesus, the one, the Messiah who was to come, pointed out by Isaiah, is now the one who's reading from Isaiah that he's going to be the one to fulfill this scripture. And what kind of things is he going to do? He's going to set the oppressed free. He's going to care for the prisoner. He's going to proclaim good news to the poor to heal the sick and help the hurting. And then the good news for us today is he can do that as well for us at Christmas. And not only can he do that for us as well, that we can be part of the solution, that Christianity through us can be part of the solution of the kind of the things that the world needs. And in my role as pastor here at ZPC, I get to see God at work through many of you. Sometimes you hear those stories, sometimes you don't. But I get to see Jesus at work through you. Here are some of the things I've seen this year. I've seen prisoners cared for through members of this church, through Kairos Prison Ministry. And there was a quote from one that said, he had never seen love before men visited him on a Kairos weekend, and then he saw it. Also in 2013, through you and through people of this church, water purifiers were installed in Africa. 
The sick were visited and prayed for in the hospital by many of you. Food was given with wonderful grace through the Zionsville Food Pantry, which meets here in our church. And there were over 150 people here on Friday receiving God's grace and food. There was a car delivered to a family that was in need of transportation, was given for free. Mission trips went out from ZPC this year where churches were constructed in Mexico. Um, Orphans were visited in Romania. Houses were painted in Kentucky. And at least one man was baptized and gave his life to God following a mission trip where our people visited their town. You helped uh, fill hundreds of shoeboxes, which are now sent around the world to give small Christmas gifts to children who may not receive Christmas gifts. And in each of those boxes, there's the message of Jesus written in their own language. More than 150 large boxes of food were sent to Shepherd Community Center, and some of those were delivered even this week to families where their kids are out of school over the holidays so they'll have something to eat. Other families through the community assistance ministry here at church were provided Christmas gifts in the name of Jesus because you gave. And finally, a team of ZPCers prayed for the church. They watched for God at work, and over the last six to nine months, they invited someone to come to be a new pastor in which you had the chance to vote on him to be your pastor, and he'll join us just in a few weeks in the right time in January. God is good, and God provides, and through you, through the body of Christ, the world can see the love and the grace and the light and the truth of Jesus as you work. So, as we go from this place and as we go out at Christmas time, believe in the one who is the wonderful counselor, who is the everlasting father, who is the prince of peace, as the prophet Isaiah said to look for. Believe in Jesus, as we read about in the Gospels and in John, who is the light shining in the darkness, who is the one who brings that justice and peace, who heals the hurting, who cares for the needy, who frees the prisoners, who brings light and grace to the world. And in your own life and in my life, we need to respond to God's grace through Jesus, to be touched in our heart, and then respond to him to be children of God by praying to Jesus and then living for God, and then we get to be an instrument of his grace to the world. Let's do that together this Christmas. Let us pray. Most loving God, we just give you thanks for this chance um, to be instruments of your grace. Lord, I don't know where everybody is in this room, but right now I know we come from, Lord, just a lot of different uh, places in our lives. And so, Lord, there's some people in this room, maybe all of us, who have a sense that we need to know that you're there for us. And so, God, I pray that for each person in this room who needs to know you as Emmanuel, God with us, who needs to have Jesus close to them, I pray that you would show yourself to them, that you would offer your care for them. And then, God, you call each of us, each of us in this room, and again, from different places, different seasons of life, and it may may be with different kinds of relationship or different ministries, but, God, that you call each of us to be instruments of your peace so that people around the world, here in our communities, in our neighborhoods, um, God can see that you are truly the light of the world, that Christmas is not just about presents, but Christmas is about you. It's about Jesus. 
So, Lord, help us as we go from this place in the days ahead and then in the coming year to be your instruments of peace as we go. In Jesus' name, we pray for all these things. Amen.